Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America. Hey, everyone. This is David Smart, your host, and I want to extend a massive thank you to our listeners and viewers that have been supporting us for more than two years. When I started the podcast during COVID, I had no idea where it would take me, but I am so proud to be bringing you our 50th episode this week one that I am personally really excited about because it features a local Kansas City company that is making a huge impact in our community, Canby's Markets. We're going to talk about food deserts, food security, and the impact Max Kaniger and his company are having here in Kansas City, giving access to healthy food no matter where you live. Enjoy the episode and thank you again for your continued support. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Renewables. I'm your host, David Smart, and very pleased to introduce Max Kaniger, the founder and CEO of Canby's Markets, uh, coming on the podcast this week. This is a company I've been following for a long time. Uh, Max is somebody that I've known for a long time and just a great Kansas City organization that we're super excited to have featured on the podcast here Uh, The podcast season two is coming to a close, so we'll have a little bit of a break here uh, going into 2023, but a big shout out and thank you to all of our listeners who have been tuning in week after week. We're seeing that subscriber base grow, seeing those average weekly listens grow, and we really, really appreciate that. But without further ado, uh, please allow me to introduce Max Kaniger, founder and CEO of Canby's Markets. Oh, oh man, Dave, it's so great to be on this with you. Uh, yeah, we've we've known each other for a little while, and it's it's fun to to finally get to kind of share our, our work together. Just thirty or thirty-one years, right? So you know, not not that mm-hmm. long. Um, not but, not that not that not that long. <laughs> so, set the stage a little bit for our listeners and viewers. Um, tell us a little bit about your background and and how you came to found Canby's Markets, and then. Give us that kind of elevator pitch on on what it is that you do. Yeah, absolutely. I'm 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 happy to share it with you, and and really, I, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for for getting me on here and and sharing this platform with me because you do you do a lot of really great work, and I'm excited to to share Canby's with with all of your listeners because it's really that that's where it started is is connections just like this. I had the the really great fortune of growing up in Kansas City, surrounded by people like you who are are always wanting to do a little more, do a little better for everybody around you, make the city a better place and. And for me, a lot of that was through food. So my dad's a chef. My my parents had owned restaurants. So I grew up in and around the food space. Um, really, really grew to love what it meant to like have people over to the house and, and share a wonderful meal with them. And as I got a little older, I realized that not everybody had um, access to that same experience, that there are food deserts or areas without consistent access to fresh, healthy and affordable food um, all over our city and that there are hundreds of thousands of people right here in Kansas City that don't have that reasonable access to healthy food and that putting a a fun meal on the table for their families just isn't really reasonable. And so I founded Canby's Markets. It's a nonprofit organization working to, to build a more equitable food system. And we really, we do that by working with, uh, primarily working with small mom and pop corner convenience stores, um, really the, the existing infrastructure in those communities uh, to help them sell healthy foods. 
awesome. This is a topic <clears throat> that I've become more familiar with over the years. A lot to do with with your company and your success here in Kansas City. It's been amazing to follow, but tell us what is a food desert? You kind of touched on it there and and talk about the impact that food deserts have both here on Kansas Cityans and, and across the world. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, so a food desert is actually a term defined by the USDA. It's areas ranging about a half mile. They do take into account like average household income and things like that. Um, but it's about a half a mile without a, a grocery store. So uh, any any uh, areas that you think of really in Kansas City, it's east of Troost. Um, there are a few areas up in the north and you get into Kansas City, Kansas. There's a lot of areas like that that don't have uh, grocery stores around. And so people really are relying on the convenience stores or fast food to, to shop for and feed their families. And there's not really a lot of healthy options in those those spaces. And that's, that's what we're, we're trying to change. Yeah, and I, I've um, had the good fortune to, to be involved in Big Brothers Big Sisters. Um, a, a few years ago uh, and actually kind of got to see this firsthand and just sort of the reliance on fast food and corner stores. Um, I was amazed though to learn that 15%, I think I took from your, your site, uh, of Missouri households actually reside in food deserts. Um, and as I've, you know, um, as a teenager, I probably ate more fast food than I should have. Um, but, but you know, never really thought about this concept um, growing up and and just really, I guess, took for granted, frankly, um, the ability to have a a home cooked meal and those trips to the grocery store and and picking out healthy produce and having it readily available. I think that equates to nearly half a million, 400,000 people in Kansas City alone. Um, And so, I later in my life lived very close to Troost, um, just west of Troost, uh, and and experienced that. You know, it's like, man, there's really no grocery store here, and um, you know, there's the there was the Sun Fresh kind of, which is certainly was more than a half a mile from where I lived. Um, but but yeah, having I guess the concept of it, and then actually living it, um, it, it really makes you realize how big of a problem it is. And then you go look further east and east and east, and and you're just getting further and further away. So um, really, really just amazed and, and impressed with what you've all done. I think we're going to talk a little bit here in a minute about the growth of your company. Uh, but you talk about giving access. And I think most of our listeners and viewers can kind of tune in or, or figure out for themselves what that means, but talk about what that means to you giving access. Yeah, I, I can definitely do that. Uh, I, and giving it, it is, it's supposed to be something that's, that's kind of really easy to, to digest, really easy to understand. Um, you've had a lot of like, like really smart engineers and scientists and people like that on, on the, this podcast. I am not one of those people. I, I like to keep it simple, keep it easy. So giving access is, is, is something that, that makes sense to me. It's, it's really, it's, it's a, it's a starting point. It's that, that we, we as the, the people who are in a position to really make change and at a, at a big and systemic level have a responsibility to do so. And that if we can help provide, give access to that food, if we can make sure that the systems are changing in a way that, that give people and families uh, the opportunity and the choice to, to really take care of themselves, 
um, they they are choosing to do so. And that's really what's, I think, led to a lot of the, the growth and success that we've had is that people do, uh, they want to feed their families well. They want to take care of themselves. They want to sit down around the table with a home-cooked meal. Um, and we want to, to build a system that, that does that. That's amazing. And so talk a little bit more about your Healthy Corner Store program and like what exactly you do and what your partnerships with these corner stores and, and convenience stores looks like. Yeah, absolutely. So, so really it started with, um, how, how do we make that, that access? How do we do, do that in a way that that's really meeting people where they are and spending a little bit of time east of truth that you, you start to see that there is a, a corner store on just about every corner and that there is this huge existing infrastructure, this huge network of stores, um, that, that can be tapped into and can be supported in a way that, that provides that healthy food. So what we do is we, we buy for them a little kind of, uh, merchandise or a little cooler for them that they plug in. It's, it's a reach in cooler. So it looks, uh, like what you'd see at a grocery store, but a lot smaller. So instead of 20 feet wide, it might be two feet wide. Uh, so that's something that we can stock and rotate food for them, but we buy the equipment for them. And then the produce itself is brought in five days a week on consignment. So it's, it's trying to make it as low risk to the small business owner as we possibly can. It's, it's making it so that they're not having to pay upfront for a case of bananas and then marking it up so that they hope they can kind of make some profit on it. It's something where we provide the equipment, they provide us some space, and then the produce itself keeps getting rotated in so that we can make sure that the quality of everything stays really high and the prices stay really low. So one of my questions, how does your pricing compare, I guess, to a grocery store? Uh, that's 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 one of the key questions, and that's something that, that we're constantly working on. Uh, prices change all the time, especially right now. Prices are on the up and up. We are trying to set our prices more on what the people in the community can afford and are able to, to pay rather than what we need to, to cover costs. That's why we're a, a nonprofit. We can raise money elsewhere. And I would say typically comparing our prices to any uh, traditional grocery store supermarket, you'd see about a 25% lower price with us. That's amazing. And uh, you alluded to it, but um, it's so important right now. I mean, uh, you can feel it when you're in the grocery store these days. Food prices don't seem to be going back down. Uh, my, I've talked about this on this podcast. You know, my wife and I are not a everyday grocery shopping family. Some folks go to the store every day, every other day, kind of get what they need. We kind of stock up and have our, our standard order, if you will. And I think that standard order of about $100, it feels like it's doubled, um, certainly gone up more than 50%. And uh, I'm just amazed every time I go to the store, um, you know, it just seems like things are, are more and more expensive and having kids at home now buying a lot of milk and a lot of eggs and um, things that used to cost four or five dollars seem to to cost eight or nine or ten. So, what you're doing, I think, is has probably never been more important than it is right now in this sort of inflationary environment. Um, and another term that I've started to see a little bit more at a national level, kind of the USDA, and some we, we spend a lot of time looking at USDA programs and following the USDA is food justice. Uh, talk about what that means to you and, and why it's important. 
Yeah, that's the, uh, that's that's another great great question because uh, food justice, I, I think, really really does a, a good job of of centering the, the people back into the conversation because sometimes we get so up there with these statistics, whether it's you know the fifteen percent or the four hundred thousand people, um, things can things can get a little depersonalized. And sometimes when we when we or I try and think of food justice, I try and bring the person back into it and keep them front and center in not only the issue but but the solution so that again trying to meet people where they are trying to talk to them listen and and see how how do we create a solution that actually really works for you and and with you not just here's my next thing that i'm going to try and and if it works great but if it doesn't uh, it doesn't really impact me in the same way and so like like for me food justice i i try and think more of the statistics like um there's right now a 15-year life expectancy difference depending on what side of truth you live on hmm. and that's insane and it's something that again as as you talk in the hundreds of thousands or across the country millions of people that are impacted by this lack of access it, it can be a little hard to to really bring that home and 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 so for me trying to constantly center the, the people and our neighbors in the conversation is important. I mean, thinking about 15 years means, you know, like, like your, your kids might not see their, their grandparents or have their grandparents there with them when they're graduating from high school and, yeah. and missing those kind of milestones and not being able to share that, the, those huge and impactful moments with family makes makes life different. It makes, it makes all of these experiences that we have, all of these like core memories that we share different when there's one less person sitting at the table with us. Absolutely. That's a really interesting statistic, one I was not familiar with. And I, I think you're right. It does do a good job of centering it back to the people in the community. So tell us a little bit more about the company. Uh, when did you found this this company? That's uh, that is that's also the the kind of million dollar question because I think uh, technically we founded it. I think I I went and filed for the license in twenty sixteen, but we didn't really get started until twenty eighteen. So we started delivering to our our first stores um, at the beginning of twenty eighteen. Okay. Started with four, four stores, and talk about the growth a little bit. How many locations are you in, or do you have now, and and can we expect yeah, so more in the future? Absolutely. So we're over 40 locations now that we're delivering to, um, and we've got an ever-growing wait list. So we are, we're really trying to develop a sustainable model that, that can eliminate food deserts. So we are trying to actually fix the problem. There's a lot of other problems that come with our food system that, that you and some of your other guests can talk about, and I think it'll take a lot of everybody doing a lot of everything, but access to healthy and affordable food is something that's fixable, and that's that's what we're shooting for, and we'd like to over the next few years. Um, I'd love to do it in two years. I think it's possible with the, the right fundraising um, to, to have Kansas City be the first city in the country that doesn't have a food desert, where every single person in the city has consistent access to fresh, healthy, and affordable food, and the the stores are out there the people are ready for it we just need to to grow and expand to meet that that need that's awesome i i'm really impressed i think you told me those 40 plus locations equate to about 250,000 residents uh served and and that's really impressive and um you know 250 out of the 400 and and growing um and so i, I just want you to talk a little bit about you know, I walk into a, a C store um, and I see a Canby's market 
cooler. Mm-hmm. What's in there? What, what do you, what are you actually, what are you actually selling? Oh yeah. So that's, that's the, that's the fun part. And, um, the part that's getting more and more exciting because we've, we've just recently gotten a new inventory management software that will help us be a lot more, um, dynamic in that kind of a way, because, because we have less space than a traditional grocery store, we want to be really intentional about what's on our shelves. And so sure. we want to be able to, to put things that are that are culturally relevant. So what we are selling at 45th in Cleveland might not be the same thing that we're selling at, uh, you know, tr- on Truman Road or Independence Avenue or something that we're, we're selling at 85th. Um, so really getting we we only stock about 25 to 30 different items on any given day and they they do rotate so we we try and keep the staples so we we always have apples oranges bananas um i did see driscoll's was one of your earlier guests and they're uh uh they are a wonderful supporter of ours so they they donate like a pallet of strawberries to us every month so we also try to consistently have driscoll's berries in the in the coolers Wonderful. Um, we also like like to have, mm-hmm. yeah, they're awesome, and the 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 team over there is great to work with, and has been so supportive of us since really the beginning. Um, I don't know how we got so lucky, but I'm just gonna roll with it. Um, but we also try and stock uh, a few vegetables, like I mean, we try and have like like a broccoli, something like that, a few like lettuce or leafy greens, um, maybe some kind of like melons or something like that. Um, and then we're also the way we're able to keep our quality high but food cost manageable is through the use of of donated produce. So we do rescue a lot of or redirect a lot of food that was um, that wholesalers weren't able to use anymore. They'll donate it to us and then we have volunteers come into the warehouse and they will help kind of triage that food for us. So it's only the top quality stuff that goes out to the stores, but that helps us get uh, a lot of fun and interesting variety and try things out in neighborhoods or communities and create recipes with new products so that we can see if people like it and if they do, great. We'll keep it in there. And if not, we'll try something else. Very interesting. So talk a little bit about more about the procurement of this food. It sounds like there's some donations. There's some stuff that like wholesalers don't or, or grocers maybe don't want to put on the shelves. Talk a little bit more about the mix of how you actually procure the food that goes into your locations. Yeah, that's that's an important part of how, how we do it. We are looking kind of since we're building it now, we're trying to look at the the whole system approach. So um, we live really well in the kind of gray area and the margins of the food system. So we work with wholesalers, things like that. They'll they will they will look at a pallet of, yeah, let's say strawberries. And if their quality control comes by and pulls a few off and they're like, I don't think a, a grocery store or restaurant is going to accept these, they'll throw out the pallet. That's where you get the, you know, billion pounds, tons of, of food waste that like like Kristen Chamberlain was talking about also on your show a little while yeah. back. Um, so, and she's who manages the compost end on our, on our side too. So we, um, we can, instead of them, uh, like a wholesaler throwing that away, they can donate it to us. We have volunteers that will come in and we'll go through. And like I said, we have kind of four paths of redirection. Um, so the top quality stuff is what we send out to our convenience stores. So that's something that would look just like what you would expect to see in any grocery store. It's, it's really great, to, um, top quality produce. 
The next level down is stuff that is still perfectly good to eat. It's stuff I would eat at home. I probably have stuff like, that looks like this in my fridge right now. It's just kind of past the point that I would feel confident or proud to sell this food. That food we are um, actually donating out to about 35 different other organizations a week so that they can create meals from it. Things, uh, these are organizations like like Thelma's Kitchen or, or Nourish KC here in mm. Kansas City. Um, the, the next level down is, is stuff that is kind of just getting past that point of human consumption. And so we work with, uh, farmers, we work with like the Kansas city zoo, we work with Lakeside nature center and some other animal rehabilitation centers to help feed the animals. And then everything else, because we're having volunteers come in and go through all of it, we can, let's say the strawberries again, we can take the strawberries out of the plastic clamshells. We actually wash and we'll either donate the plastic clamshells to like an organization like Scraps KC to reuse it, or we try and recycle it. The cardboard boxes that they come in, we bail up and try and recycle those as well. And then all of the actual strawberries are separated out and uh, composted. Wow, I'm really happy I asked that because that is, really interesting and um it's amazing just how many i guess different kind of tentacles and how many different organizations you're touching and, and partnering with to make this successful we're gonna get a little bit to food waste here in just a second which is a big topic um, we talk about on the show and loved having kristen on the show um in fact you kind of helped me connect the dots there and really appreciate that. She's amazing. And I've, I've since had the opportunity to meet her in person and just love her. Um, but you also have a home delivery program, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, talk a little bit about that and how it works. Yeah. So that was something that, uh, it was really with the mid America regional council, um, Mark, uh, which I don't know if you guys have done anything with them, but they do a lot of programming in kind of the Kansas City, Kansas and Missouri and, and a few county region. And they approached us at the beginning of 2020, just like, hey, you kind of deliver food. This is a food delivery program that we're looking at. Do you want to give it a try? We thought we would maybe be doing 100 meals a month to a few families to get it started, see what would happen. Uh, the pandemic happened. And so we um, increased from there. And uh, it was about 25,000 meals a month um, to, to four counties. Uh, and, and it's just kind of given us a lot of opportunity to, to really talk directly again with the people that we're here to serve. Because one of the upsides of the Healthy Corner Store program is that we can get a lot of food to a lot of different neighborhoods relatively <coughs> affordably and, and quickly, but it is still that corner store that is having the one-to-one -one connection with the, the people. So we have to be intentional about building those relationships and asking those questions. This home delivered meals program gave us an opportunity to do that more directly. Since we were actually dropping off food at people's homes, we, we can sit and ask those kind of questions. We can send out surveys. We, we can continue to, to learn more about what other programming we want to do and how we want to continue to, to be a better service to the community and that's been that's been really fun because i think that some of the next exciting things for us really come in that second tier of food waste that i was talking about and um, actually creating meals of our own we've, we've done that a little bit through a few kind of temporary partnerships um, there's one i think i talked to you about the feed casey forward from about a year ago now where we we really did we created um about twelve thousand meals that we um were able to distribute out 
to the houseless community around Kansas City. Um, we did some of those in-house, and then there was another, uh, a portion of those that we also partnered with local restaurants where we raised money and then paid restaurants when they were still kind of shut down to create meals on our behalf. So they had these great kitchens and staff that needed work to do. So we were able to find some wonderful donors here and, and pay them a pretty good price for meals um, to, to help us distribute, help support restaurants, help get food out. Um, but we also were able to figure out how we can do that in-house. And I think there's a lot of fun opportunity to grow that in the future. That's amazing. So we talk about food waste all the time on this show. Um, Biostar owns and operates a food waste digester out in California. So it's a topic that's near and dear to our heart. And um, I just, I realized I jumped around a little bit here in the way that I had outlined this episode, but let's go back to that kind of tier three, I guess more tier four, um, you know, in your tiers of um, your hierarchy, if you will, of, of foods. Talk about why composting is important for you. And you've made a, quite a dent, it sounds like, uh, from a composting standpoint. So I want you to share uh, that success with our, our listeners and viewers. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, again, if we're going to build something from scratch now, I want to build it in a way that looks at the whole system and, and to look at, at agriculture and our food system as something that could should be regenerative and not a cause of, of global warming or climate change. Um, and, and so for us, as we're building a, a part of the food system, I think it's, it's prudent to think in that way. Um, and to build that out as we're small and hopefully get bigger. Um, and so our systems have all been kind of focused on how are we as, as close to zero waste as possible. And one of these days, I would love to have one of those um, anaerobic digesters here and see what it would look like to power our warehouse with something like that. But we'll get there and maybe we can push the state of Missouri to be a little bit more like California in some of those, those support systems. Um, but for example, like in 2021 for, so for the entire year of 2021, we were, um, just kind of pulling the program together because it does rely a lot on volunteers. It was relied a little on staff and making sure that we had some systems in place. So in that first year we were able to, um, rescue and redirect, um, a little over 200,000 pounds of food, um, since then, uh, it's gone up a little bit. So actually for, for this year, we're um, at about 550,000 pounds of food actually wow. redirected for this year. And um, knock on wood next year, um, hopefully going for, for that million pounds of food next year. That's incredible. That's phenomenal growth. And congrats to you. And, um, you know, we are seeing a lot of states use legislation to drive landfill diversion um you know we and in, in the digester business we we always say we're in the renewable gas business um but here in this office we really feel perhaps more importantly we're in the landfill diversion business and there really is a lot of stress uh something we've talked about a lot on the show uh, a lot of stress on our landfills very difficult to get new landfills permitted um, I think back in 2020, uh, kind of trade war, China said, we're not taking any more of your cardboard waste or and we were literally filling up, you know, ships and sending trash to China. They cut that off. 
And because of that, I, I believe our landfill filled diversion capacity or our landfill capacity, excuse me, kind of depends who you ask, but somewhere between 12 and 18 years of remaining capacity in the U.S. in our current landfills. And, and as difficult as it is to get new landfills permitted, that's becoming more and more of a problem every day. So uh, we need more organizations like yours who are thinking about the full spectrum, are thinking about start to finish and where does that food that never makes it to a plate ultimately go. And uh, unlike a lot of other waste like plastic, which of course you can recycle, but uh, we can create renewable energy from it. So there really is an incredible opportunity uh, for our country to diversify, to take more of an all the above approach to energy generation and really close that cycle. So that's amazing. And my notes, um, which a lot of which were, came from your website, um, I had a number much, much lower than 500,000. So congratulations. It sounds like that's just been, you've been on a tear this year. That's amazing. Yeah, I need to update the website, but uh, we, we spent more time just moving the food around. But right. so yeah, it's, it's a little out of date, but <laughs> I could um, but yeah, it's it, it, I, I do. I agree. I, I see see the the energy creation side of this as a huge, huge opportunity, again, to, to, to have our agriculture and our food systems be a regenerative part of, uh, of all of our systems and, and to be creating energy from this, I think seems like a really cool opportunity. It seems something that is very sustainable into the future. Um, in the same way that I, I also see that, that providing access to healthy foods is is something that is is an opportunity so when i see you know um this is an issue that impacts 15 percent of the country on average um i i see that as an opportunity because ev everybody's got to eat and if we can provide opportunity to get healthy food to 15% that that's a lot of of earned revenue that we can help generate at at small businesses everywhere Absolutely. And we stick up for farmers on this show. And I think it's important. There's a lot of people right now with kind of big ag in their crosshairs, right? But but I think it's just been amazing. And a lot of this is driven by legislation. Uh, but it's been amazing to see the dairymen and swine farmers and all the different farmers um, around the country. You know, farmers are the most sustainable people you'll ever meet. They, they don't want anything to go to waste. And uh, it's really been amazing to watch these industries really grab this bull by the horns, if you will. And, and you know, it, it makes sense from an economic standpoint for them to divert that waste and make sure that, that they're, you know, getting every uh, molecule or, or every, all the nutrients and value out of it that they can. So, um, you know, we really see where the dairy industry has been heavily incentivized to capture their manure, create methane digesters, um, what we do on the backside with additional nutrient recovery. We really believe food waste is, is the next big movement there. And there's a lot of food waste. We have some stats about it on our website. I think you do as well. Um, but but there's a lot of waste to be diverted and a lot of opportunities there. So, so you've touched on them throughout the episode here, um, but just curious, I guess, as you think is of kind of <clears throat> some of the key enablers to your success and, and some of your partners talk about who some of your most key partners are that have helped make you successful in the last six, seven years since you started this and, and going forward. 
uh, yeah, uh, I absolutely because it's it's never done in a vacuum, right? It's it's all because of and with and through the the partnerships that we've we've developed and and, and built on that that we're able to be where we are, and and I'm excited to see where they can take us. Obviously, you're you're now you're now part of the fold. Um, you, you put it helping <laughs> helping us share share the message is, is huge. I mean, you you do you've got you've got thousands of people that listen to the to this show, and to to you never know who who might give me a call um, after it airs and and has an idea that they want to help out and get involved so that that kind of of support is is so valuable and it's it's something that again any one of your listeners sharing this out you never know where it goes from there and it can make a a big difference um i did i also mentioned uh driscoll's has been huge for a long time and very helpful and supportive and i'm excited to see where that can grow too um we we get a lot of support from from cnc and and liberty two of the local um, produce wholesalers here in KC that really do go above and beyond to help us continue to grow and expand what we want to do. And then um, a lot of the like local family foundations and things like that. Canton City is a, a philanthropic kind of city and, and seeing how they've they've come in and, and supported us to really build up this infrastructure that we need to get us where we are. Um, but one that I, I want to lean on is not necessarily one of the like big corporate partnerships or things like that, but it's just the kind of individuals because that's something that I think um, not only helped us get to where we are, but is going to be essential in where we get get to where we want to go. Um, it's people like like you and me giving five, ten, twenty bucks a month. Um, you can sign up on the website because um, those kind of recurring donations one help people stay aware and up to date on what we're doing, um, but also really do help further the mission in in a way that is is a lot more dependable and reliable than than hoping or writing grants like a lot of um, nonprofits are, are stuck doing where they write a grant, they wait six months, they hope they get a big check and then they, you know, they get really excited and they write another grant and they hope it makes it to the till that next one. Um, mm-hmm. We really want to, to build on um, one, something that's a little bit more reliable and having a lot of people giving a little bit rather than relying on a few people to give a lot. Um, and I think it gets more people involved in, in the work from both the access to healthy food side and also the the environmental side and how do we reduce food waste because one of the biggest uses of volunteers here is is to, to come and help us sort produce. So coming in and, and um, listening to music and uh, helping us kind of triage that food and putting it to the best use possible is, is what we'll, we're going to need um, if we're going to want to grow and make the impact that, that I believe is really possible. Well, I am in. I want to come down and see your facility and uh, triage some food, as you said. So I would love to do that, and we will make that happen. Um, this is one that wasn't necessarily in our kind of things that we discussed before the show, but I guess I, I like asking this question, um, especially to organizations like yours that have grown rapidly. What are some of the ob- – so sorry for the curveball – what are some of the the obstacles to your success? What what do you envision as the the biggest or some of the biggest challenges that you face to scale? You mentioned there's a wait list um, of corner stores, which I thought was interesting. What are some of the challenges? Is it capital? Is it human capital? Talk about that a little bit. 
Yeah, it's uh, that, that is that's obstacles to get here. That's that's what that's my job is to think about those kind of things. So I'm always always here for this part of the conversation. Um, for me, yeah, I, I love obstacles. It's kind of my favorite part of things is is seeing what's the next problem and and how can we think of something fun or creative or or how do we really solve this in a way that that helps us get to the next obstacle because. I can solve every problem I have on my desk today and, and tomorrow there will be new problems and I got to look forward to those or you go crazy um, or I would go crazy. Um, the biggest ones really have been, um, yeah, people and, and, and cash. Um, so building building a team, we, we are over 20 full-time staff now. So building a, a really good uh, team around us is, is what helps us grow and it's what keeps us growing long-term because really at this point, it's it's more and more out of my hands, and I'm happy to keep giving it away. But in order to do that, we have to to find and, and train and retain really, really good, smart people who who not only care about this work but are thinking about it in the kind of holistic way that we'd like to. Um, and it's kind of chicken and egg because in order to find, train, and retain good people, you need to have the the cash to do so. And being a nonprofit and being in an industry that's very um, built for scale is is tricky um so that's that's one of the the challenges as we're coming up into where this kind of next phase of our organization is is that most of the food distribution industry is built at scale so when i give tours let's say to uh, potential donors most of the reaction i get is like wow this is huge because for a nonprofit, we are on the bigger side now and so people are surprised that we've grown so quickly over such a short amount of time um when i give that same tour to people um that are in the food distribution business their reaction is typically like wow how are you able to exist being so small <laughs> yep and, and and so it's it's kind of like bridging that that kind of gap of like how do we go from where we are now to a, a more sustainable scale where we aren't as reliant on the the philanthropy of the like local foundations and things like that um but how do we do it in a way that that is is looking at that full system how do we do it in a way that is, is making sure that our our prices are staying affordable for the people in the community that we're still staying true to our values um within this space I love it. Well, keep up the good work. Just real quick, you always have fun community events. You do a lot staying involved and giving back to the community. Um, tell our listeners and viewers a little bit about some of the upcoming events, I guess, that you're excited about. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm um, I'm bad at the like fancy gala gala, gala things. Um, <laughs> I, I don't have the, the tuxedo doesn't work as well on me as I, I'd like it to. I wish I could pull it off, but it just doesn't work. So we do a lot more just kind of like fun, uh, more intimate events. Um, we had a series uh, this year of, of what we call ugly dinners where we partnered with restaurants. Um, they would design a menu with the kind of uh, donated or redirected food that we're getting in. They would make this a beautiful meal with some ugly food. Um, people would come out. It would be between 20 and I think our biggest one was 60 people. Um, the restaurant, again, designed the whole menu. We would have fun. We would maybe have a few drinks, um, eat some good food, talk about what and why food is important to on an individual level, or maybe I'd have a moment to talk about like why the, the environmental impact of what we do is important. And so I really get to then meet and, and connect with the people who are wanting to get involved or are interested in, in supporting us rather than if we had a big 
500 or 5,000 person event kind of a thing. Sure. So, um, that, that's really exciting. We, we've, um, got, uh, I think about six of them that we're going to be scheduling and releasing next year. So people have to follow along to find out as they come up, but we had some really fun restaurants, um, involved in it this year. Um, Chewology actually, um, kicked us off, but we also did like, like hotel Kansas city. Um, we did, uh, Fox and Pearl. Um, we've had like the, this winery at the end of the year, Terravo has been really fun. We did um, a fair, that German restaurant in the crossroads. So we, yeah. we do, we try and get to be at some fun and, and interesting spaces. Um, we also are going to have three, at least three kind of more um, kind of what we'll call like signature events next year. Um, we're going to do Canby's Fest, which will be here at our warehouse in the parking lot. Very kid friendly, very much like come hang out in the parking lot, play, play some kind of parking lot games and, and see the space and see what it is that we do. Um, we also are going to do pitching for, for produce. Um, so it was a wiffle ball tournament. So any of the like corporate teams that would want to sign up, it was a lot of fun last year. We did it at the urban youth Academy and, um, we did, we had, uh, a lot of, a lot of fun, um, play, playing some wiffle ball. It was a little hot in the middle of summer, but, um, so I think we might pick a different date this next year. So it's a little, little cooler. Um, and then just recently we had a Stocktoberfest. So we had like an Oktoberfest, but the goal was to stock the shelves of our coolers. So we had, you know, um, brats and, uh, German pretzels and, um, a lot of, a lot of local breweries came out with some beer and, and we had some fun. Awesome. Well, I am definitely following along. Tell our listeners and viewers how they can find you online and follow along with this incredible work you're doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're Canby's Markets on everything, on all the socials, uh, like whether it's LinkedIn or Twitter or TikTok or Instagram or Facebook. Um, and that's K-A-N-B-E-S-M-A-R-K-E-T-S. And then you can also go to our website by the same name, again, Canby's Markets. Um, follow along, sign up for the newsletter, sign up to, to donate and the newsletter. It's all, all, all available in one spot. Do it all to our listeners and viewers Definitely get on and check out Campy's Markets. Um, follow along online. They're always up to something really cool, and I've just really loved following this. I love your merch store, by the way. Show off your hat a little bit. Oh, yeah. You can, uh, you can buy some produce hats, which I, I love. Mm-hmm. I actually ordered which, one, and I'm a bonehead, and, and I forgot. They're all... Oh, perfect. You got to get, yeah. they're all made right here in Kansas City, so all locally handmade uh, here awesome. in Kansas City. Awesome. Well, so yeah, I know uh, I got to make sure you got your hat. Yeah, no, we got to, we got to look into that. But Max, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a real pleasure and truly from the bottom of my heart, I really, really love following what you're doing. You're doing some amazing work, very proud of what you're doing for our city. It's incredibly important work. So thank you. This has been another episode of Renewables. I'm your host, David Smart. Everybody look at the show notes, get on and check out Canby's Markets online, make a donation, make it a recurring donation, buy an avocado hat. Thank you for tuning in and listening uh, every week. We really appreciate all of our listeners and viewers. You can find us on YouTube or anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. Max, thanks again. We'll see you soon, man. Thank you. Thank you. Can't wait. I'll see you. Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America.